Welcome to the Bringing Intimacy Back Show, where intimacy is real. If you desire to intimately connect with yourself, your significant other, children, family, friends, community, and your higher power, this show is for you. Thus, we explore intimate topics, inspiring life stories, spirituality, and insightful tips on strengthening relationships. This show is hosted by Dr. April and her co-host, Dr. Kelly. Now let's get this episode of the Bringing Intimacy Back Show started because we share with you the secret power to intimacy to create a life you love or love the life you create. Now here's your host, Dr. April and co-host, Dr. Kelly. Welcome to the Bringing Intimacy Show where intimacy is real. We're in the month of February and Dr. Kelly, how are you doing today? I'm doing fabulous. I, I don't know if you can tell, this is pink. The light is too bright, but I'm actually wearing pink. Okay, that's good. <laughs> yes, yes. So, you know, Dr. Kelly, in the month of February, we were just talking about a variety of things. And last our last episode was Big Things in Little Package, which was a great episode. That I oh, I enjoyed so that. Yes, yes. And of course, February is my favorite month because it is really the month of love. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. I hear it every year in February. Yes, where hearts are everywhere. They replace the snowflakes. Yes, definitely. And in the month of love, it's also when we talk about love, it's about confidence. And today we have someone who is, I mean, she blows me out of the water when it comes to confidence and love. And we are, I'm welcome back. She's one of my favorite guests I have almost every year, I guess or so. Hi, welcome Molly Stewart. Hi, it's so good to be back here. I'm happy to be here. Nice to see you, April and Kelly. Yes, thank you so much. Yeah, so today we're talking about building self-confidence and love handles and all. And uh, You just look amazing. I just love those. You see those earrings she's got on? Yes, I do. <laughs> yes, they're they're fun earrings. I, I like them a lot. They make, you know, since I don't have any hair, it's sort of like a, a nice, beautiful hair extension. <laughs> gorgeous. It's really great. I like uh, the feathers, too. You know, thank you. Uh, you yeah. know, Marla, I love this topic because not a lot of people know this if they just met me, but I um, lost a lot of weight in the last year. And, oh, congratulations. Uh, it's something you wanted to do. Yes, yes, I needed to do it. And it was really impacting my confidence in many areas. And so I'm really looking forward to this topic today. Um, I feel like it's zoning in right on me. Yeah. <laughs> too, truly. Yes, yeah, good, good. But if those of you who do not know about Mala, Mala has, is the, um, which I just called her, is the executive producer or executive director of Velvet Lips out in Miami and Atlanta. Am I correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. yes. She's a sexologist and intimacy relationship sex coach, a speaker, an author. Um, and you have a new book coming out. Yes. The Ultimate Guide to Seduction and Foreplay, Techniques okay. and Strategies for Mind-Blowing Sex. So, yeah, um, Dr. Jess and I, we... Um, put together this book. It is like a labor of love and it's beautiful and amazing. And yeah, I love it so much. <laughs> I'm proud of it. Good, good. Yes, yes. And she has, if you go into our website, a variety of different videos and stuff to help people connect intimately with others and even with themselves. You've written over what, 200 articles? 
over the yeah, years. Yeah, I've written a lot of articles. They're, they're everywhere and contributed to a lot of magazines, including like Cosmo, Men's Health, uh, Ebony, you know, all sorts of stuff. So awesome. Yes. Humble. Yes. And then she has this wonderful conference. I don't know if you've heard of it, Dr. Kelly. It's called Sex Down. Yeah, Sex Down South. Yes, conference. Well, I did see that. I love the logo with the, the arrow. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. Love that logo. Love to love to hear a little bit more about Sex Down South. I'm yeah. figuring there's a number of innuendos there and not just <laughs> based in Atlanta. Yes, how Absolutely. long have you been doing that now? How long have you been doing so that? So we are moving into our seventh year this year. Wow. So we've been doing it for six years. Yeah, so last year we did a virtual year, of course, because of COVID. Um, so that was a new uh, new experience for us. But uh, yeah, we're happy. We're, it's going to be in September. So if everything is good to go and we're good and clear by July, we will be having it in person. Yes, um, tell, us a little bit about, tell us a little bit about the conference. Yeah, so the conference is really great. It's uh, basically an amalgamation of all things sexuality, right? So it's like, um, you know, different... Um, uh, what do you call it? Just, you know, sex and survivorship, you know, uh, sex and disability, um, you know, LGBTQ folks, folks of color, talk about tantric sexuality. We talk about like um, all sorts of different kinds of sexual, I mean, everything, kinky, polyamory, you know, non-monogamy, um, reproductive justice. So basically it's like workshops that I, you know, that I've done. So um workshops during the day and then we have fun and, and party at night so we have a, a dungeon we have a healing space we have like all sorts of things that people would need in order to um you know have fun and um uh yeah and learn about dungeon. sexuality a dungeon tell me more about the dungeon Yes, yes. So the dungeon is a, um, uh, we have lots of equipment and we've called, we call it the labyrinth and it is a uh, rack, uh, a rack aware um, dungeon. So risk aware consensual kink dungeon. We have dungeon monitors. Um, uh, we have you know, people come in and teach, you know, we have, you know, a lot of different kink educators that come in um, to, um, yeah, do all the things. Well, the 50 so. Shades uh, probably opened a lot of doors for you. Like, you said what? Uh, the 50 the Fifty Shades series. A lot of oh, really, you know. Yeah, we've been doing kink way before Fifty Shades came out. So. <laughs> well, educate us. Yeah, it's but, been, I mean, it's you know, been, they open the doors for a lot of people that might not have otherwise um, even thought of it. Absolutely. And so, yeah, I think our first year of having the dungeon, we had Jasmine and King and we had, um, uh, and, and I did a, like, helping folks how to, um, how to, uh, what do you call it? Um yeah, telling folks how to, um, you know, do choking or spanking or whatever. Um, 
Yeah. So we like, yeah, it, it really introduced, sorry, it really introduced, I'm sorry, I'm distracted by the noise outside. Um, it really, um, trying to talk over it because it's so loud. Um, sorry about that. You said what? We do hear you well. Okay. Okay, great. <laughs> um, so um, basically we we taught, so there were people who had never done kink before or who were kind of like thinking about Candy's dungeon and um, and with Candy's uh, dungeon or whatever, it was more like a performance kind of thing. And so people really thought that dungeon was like, you know, you're dressing up in kink gear and, and maybe that's about it. And maybe someone will thank someone with something. And we're like, kink is not that, right? Like kink is not that. And so um, we really had to help educate people, show people how it's done and people really got into it. And so we really, um, but yeah, the dungeon was a really beautiful, beautiful place. And, and from that, I actually have some clients who came to me and were just like, I want to learn more and I want to do more. So it was exciting. I have a question. Um, and you'll have, this is all really new to me, just so you know, I was like, uh, for, I mean, I was up in Northern Michigan. I didn't even see my first black person until I was 14, let alone hear about kink. And I'm sure it was there, but um, I, so I might have some odd questions, but this is what a lot of people, we would just want to make sure that we open the door and educate them and that they can explore different things that are of interest to them. Um, and so I was curious, like, how do people reach out to you to get education on this? I think I read that you were even um, doing some sex education in schools or different venues. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't do um, schools, but I do do different venues. So like different um, sex shops, I, you know, run workshops. I, um, I, you know, I teach my own classes. I have downloadable classes that people can learn from. I have, um, uh, you know, yeah, people come and request me if they want private one-on-one -on -one coaching. So it's, um, yeah, people come to me in all sorts of different ways. So, you know, different organizations have contacted me to do workshops for their people. Everybody from, you know, in Europe to, you know, Canada to here. So it's been really, really amazing. And it just really depends um, and I also, you know, attend a lot of classes of different like kink clubs, dungeons, things like that. But yeah, I've been able to, you know, teach at different dungeons, like I said, different sex shops, um, as well as, you know, private organizations who, who want to learn more. Yeah. How was 2020 for you in the sense of your oh my God. work and all that and, uh, and what's new with you? 2020 was absolutely wonderful for me. <laughs> 2020 was probably one of my best years yet, despite, despite COVID, right? So um, it was really, really interesting that, you know, you know, every, the world was kind of shut down. Well, it was shut down. And, um, but I had already been doing video stuff with people for for many years so for me it wasn't a huge transition and um 
And so, yeah, 2020 was a great year. I was able to um, adjust to just more volume of, you know, video calls and, um, uh, I got pregnant, so that was really exciting, awesome. you know. Wow. Um, Tell me about it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like just a lot of just a lot of good news, you know, great things happened for us. Um, so yeah, I, I got pregnant. Um, uh, my wife and I bought uh, another house in Atlanta. Awesome. Um, we, you know, it was just a really fantastic year. <laughs> Zero complaints about 2020, except for like what was happening globally, right? Like the racism, the, you know, last president, you know, the, you know, all the issues that were um, sort of plaguing our social environment, which were plaguing a lot of my clients as well. Um, So I minimized my news intake, minimized my social media intake, and and that really helped me to um, have a really productive um 2020 yes yeah and so um what did you end up having um uh, my baby's due april oh april okay you look so thin right here i can't even tell i was like wow <laughs> You know, um, you know, a lot of people who say like, oh, you know, you know, have, have been sick all pregnancy or whatever. Like I've had a really phenomenal pre- pregnancy. I haven't been sick. Everything has been fine and flowing smoothly. And yeah, I've been really blessed and happy. Yes. Well, it looks like you've been extremely healthy, which is great. Because sometimes when people Absolutely. take on extra weight, but you were, yeah beautiful and amazing and this is actually what the show is about because um the show was inspired by someone who was feeling that they were overweight and like oh my gosh how do i become sexy and all that when i'm overweight and that kind of stuff well we're going to take a a small break but before we take a small break i want to talk a little bit about the american heart association um we're honoring them this year because that's our charity of the month they do a great thing as you guys know um heart disease and especially and um, certain communities really take the lives of millions and millions of people. So check out the American Heart Association. One way to give is to go to www.heart.org. We're going to take a small break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about how, if you're struggling with your body, how you can still be sexy. I mean, just look at Mara. She's just amazing. I mean, look at those vibes. Yes, yes. We'll take a small break. No pun intended, Marla. Are you wanting a vacation in paradise? A vacation to rekindle the passion. A vacation without the kids. A vacation where you can learn how to communicate, where you and your partner actually hear each other and gain insight. If so, Vacation Counseling is your next vacation. Dr. April Brown has created Vacation Counseling in Southwest Florida as a perfect option for you and your partner. Our retreats are one couple at a time. We have a variety of packages available to choose from, including virtual couples retreats. If you and your partner are interested in the vacation counseling, 
please visit us at vacationcounseling.com for more information on pricing and packages. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook. To keep track of the latest news, stories, activities, or coupons on vacation counseling and Dr. April's other services, we encourage you to sign up to receive a monthly newsletter called Intimate Connections at draprilbrown.com. Remember, if you and your partner are struggling with communication and intimacy, and you all are looking for a retreat to connect, Vacation Counseling can be your next vacation in Southwest Florida. Welcome back to the Bringing Intimacy Show, where intimacy is real. And today we're talking about confidence and love and handles and intimacy. And of course, we have our expert here, Mala Stewart. Yes. So um, Mala, I don't know if you've, I'm pretty sure you've seen or you've heard women who struggle with their body image. How does that impact the bedroom? And what advice would you give them in the sense of women who struggle with their body image? They thinking they're too big or whatever the case may be. Yeah, so a lot of our, you know, confidence, our body confidence, sexual confidence comes from our thoughts, right? So in order for us to change our thoughts, we really have to, number one, be aware that we're speaking the way that we're speaking. Um, And we also have to be aware of how there's always a positive to those negative things, right? So for instance, um, you know, I wrote an article about um, how a, a lot of us struggle with different body parts, right? For me, mine was my belly, you know? And so it was just like, oh, my belly, every time I look at my belly, it's like, you know, it just wasn't right, right? And so, um, you know, I had to change my thoughts in a sense of, okay, well, what's positive about my belly? What's, What's great about my belly? Well, my wife loves my belly. She loves hanging on my belly, rubbing on my belly. She loves laying on my belly. That's a nice thing. Um, you know, it, sometimes it's a nice little shelf, you know, or whatever, you know, that might be whatever the case may be. You got to think of something positive. And you also have to think of uh, when you're and then I also say think about your affirmations, the positive affirmations. And so with positive affirmations, you really have to think about it in the present tense. You have to think about it um, uh, affirmatively um, and it's got to be emotional for you. So with, you know, something like my belly, you know, I got to think, okay, well, how do I want to think about this? So what is the opposite of um, those thoughts around my belly? So not only what is the positive thing about my belly, but, you know, if I want to change it, what would that look like? And so really implementing these positive affirmations can really help change your brain. And so um, a lot of it, I actually, we do have the exercise in the ultimate guide to seduction and foreplay. Um, And we talk about, I give you step-by-step on how to do this. So you think about your flaws, not only, you know, maybe with your body, but maybe your sexual flaws, things like that. Um, You can really, see what the positive side is and then 
um, what the opposite is, how you'd like to change it. And then you sort of endorse those with a bunch of other positive affirmations. Because, you know, for every negative thought we have, guess what? We need five positive thoughts in order to bring that up. And I always say, and then we need a, we need a sixth one for that extra boost, right? Um, and so it, I think that is the part that we get stuck on because if we sit there and concentrate on those, those, those negatives, we never get to the positives. And there's a really great book, um, Come As You Are by Dr. Emily Nagoski. I'm not sure if you read or not, and, but it yes, really talks about the health at every size, right? Um, and I think that is absolutely fantastic because when a lot of doctors see me, they assume that I have health issues. Um, they, they think that I might have high blood pressure or this or that, um, because technically I would be considered obese, right? At, you know, five before I, you know, before I got pregnant, it's like five, eight, one ninety, And so that like that, you know, they were like, you know, they think I have issues, but then they take my blood or they like, Oh, you're actually really healthy. Oh, you're doing everything right. And even thinking about like my midwives who are, who are, you know, great and amazing, you know, they're kind of like, we got to test you for gestational diabetes, which is what they do for everyone, of course. But it was sort of like, it, it was almost like they might've thought there was going to be an assumption that I was going to have it. And I, you know, and I don't, because I do eat really healthy. I'm just, you know, fatter, I guess, than what they want me to be. And so it's very interesting to think about like how, you know, we are, how we can be, um, I don't know if y'all remember this, but this was probably like early nineties when um, there was a, a woman, I can't remember her name, but she talked about being fit and fat. Um, and I remember my mom just being like, yeah, I can't be fit and fat, you know, <laughs> But thinking about your body and we have, we're, we're inundated with so many media messages and messages telling us that we need to be this weight or even doctors or healthcare people saying we need to be this weight in order to be healthy, but then actually embodying like, hey, I'm actually healthy. You can't tell me there's anything wrong with me. Um, and so that is the part that's actually also very fascinating. And so I feel like we need to also educate um, health providers and things like that. But at the same time, we run under capitalism, consumerism. So it, we have to make people feel insecure in order to buy our, our whatever products, right, that we want them to buy um, to improve their life or whatever. So I, I think, you know, there's just like a lot of different, you know, messages that we get that that tell us that we're not pretty or we're not sexy or that we need to do this or we need to have bigger boobs or a bigger butt or, you know, whatever the trend is um, for women's, especially women's bodies um, and how to be more attractive to, to attract the people that we want. Mala, were you born with this confidence? Or when, when, did it, when, did it, when did it happen? I'm just curious. <laughs> So, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I thank my mother for being uh, real with me and being authentic. Um, and she probably didn't know this at the time, but being very sex positive. Mm -hmm. um, and she always, 
um, I always had a lot of positive reinforcement growing up. And I think that is huge. Um, a lot of us, a lot of people don't get positive reinforcement growing up. Um, and I remember being, you know, with partners where I would say like, oh, good job, way to go. And they'd be like, are you being sarcastic? And I'd be like, no, like that is what I honestly think. And I think when you do that or teach that at the beginning as a child, the child learns that. So me being the child, learning that positive reinforcement, understanding um, goals, objectives, having secure attachment, you know, all of these things are contributing factors into why I'm able to not be able to people please or, you know, really be authentic in who I am and how I express myself and how I move through the world that way. So, um, yeah. Marla, what would you say to somebody who actually had a mother that was not being positive and that's where some of their self-image issues came from? It stems from the mother saying, don't eat that or your jeans are too tight or whatever. How could you encourage that individual? Yeah, so I do that in a, a couple of ways. One is um, thinking about is the, is the mother still in, the, in their life? Um, and so if the mother is still in their life, unfortunately, I encourage them to break Can't off. Hurt them. Just kidding. Yeah, you fire, fire the mother. Um, like, you know, fire. yeah, because, uh, because it's, it's, you know, a lot of people say they're toxic or whatever, like they're not healthy for you. Um, and if you want to continue living a healthy life and not getting that message, then you need to get away from it. Sort of like how like, I had to stay away from social media and all that stuff. You get away from it in order to focus in on what you need to do so that you can be progressive in how you move through the world. And so um, I encourage them to break it off. I've had to break off, you know, relationships with family members, um, you know, with people who were not healthy for me. So that's the first part breaking it off. Um, the second part is now we need to repair and do some healing uh, work. And so it might be um, writing a letter and just saying like, you did this to me and, and not necessarily giving it to that person, but writing it down, journaling, just being like, this is how it's affected me. Um, and then uh, work on positive affirmations. If you have a partner or somebody who is there um, reinforcing that for you. So for instance, um, saying a positive affirmation, like I love my body and I think it's sexy and beautiful and whatever. Right. And then having your partner also say, yes, your body is sexy and beautiful. So hearing those messages and having that partner actually repair some of that healing that your parents probably did, um, can be really, really helpful for you in the long run. So you could even yeah. carry it back to the parent for that matter. Like if a parent is still saying things to you, you can rebut, you can reframe it and say, you may believe that, uh, you may be right, but I don't believe that and set, try to reinforce a boundary as well. And then if they will not, they keep at it and you can't set that boundary, then yes, absolutely, right? Yes, um, I think that's really good to set the boundary. And <laughs> one really, I saw this really creative way of setting a boundary um, that I want to share is like somebody had a, um, a, a foghorn, right? 
And so whenever the parent said something that they were like, I'm correct, I'm a correct, he's like, nah, they do the foghorn. And so the parent got in there, they didn't want to hear the foghorn anymore. So they finally changed the way that they said things to that person. I thought that was absolutely That's brilliant hilarious. because it's behavior. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes those negative messages, like you said, start up in the brain. You yeah. Know? I'm working with people on not saying negative things about themselves because you live with yourself for the rest of your life. Yes. And partners can help with that too, like recognizing that negative speech um, and then saying, well, hey, what's good about that? And it turning, really turning it into to positive speech. Um, but yeah, it takes time. Sometimes I think people think, oh, this can be done overnight or within a week. And it really can't. You really have to um, repeat these things over and over again in order to train your brain. Um, so yeah, I've been working with a client now for six months and she didn't do her beginning homework. And now we're returning right back to it because I'm hearing those negative thoughts again, right? Like it's sort of like, wait a minute, what happened? We were, we were here. What, what you went, you reverted back. Why did you revert back? Oh, I didn't do this or I didn't do that or whatever. So I think it's really important. Like, I mean, you all know it's important for people to do their homework and to, to really invest in themselves. So when you don't do that, you, when you don't do the work, then you can't heal. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And one of the terminology we used earlier um, is positive self-educator. Can you explain to our audience exactly what that means? Positive self-educator? What do you yeah. mean? Oh, oh, you're a sex positive educator. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Positive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I was like, oh, whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah, being sex positive. Yeah. So, yeah, when my, to think about um, how we frame things now, like, oh, I'm a sex positive educator, a sex positive person or a sex positive educator, anybody who's being sex positive means that they are embracing to have sex, to not have sex, to really invoke your own choice. Um, and to be authentic in your sexuality. So it's sort of a very non-judgmental way of being, of saying like, hey, I am, I'm here. I embrace who you are as a sexual bring, being. I embrace who you are as a sexual being. I embrace myself as a sexual being. Um, or maybe I embrace, maybe you're not a sexual being, but I embrace that too, right? And so really just being, um, affirming of the way people are in their life as opposed to uh, don't do that you, you'll you'll get pregnant don't do that you'll you know you'll do you know the the, the consequences of doing this will be blah, 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 blah. which you know in the academic world which is where I come from that is how a lot of funding gets right so you know there's a lot of funding there so people tend to go towards sex negative um, because the money's there, as opposed to shifting the narrative of being sex positive. And, and what does it mean to accept yourself and accept others for who they are? Yeah. Um, I have a question for you. It's probably not yeah. time for questions yet, but is that a paddle behind you? <laughs> yes. I've been distracted by the paddle. Oh, I didn't even notice that one. Okay. <laughs> And uh, I got it last year <laughs> in 2020. 
I have not been able to use it yet because you know we're pent up in our houses. But uh -huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a it's a a, a, a custom made paddle that I got. Yeah, I don't see any holes in it. Yeah, no no holes. Just I got I got paddled by the principal. I think I could still sue him. But anyway, and he had holes in that. Limitations on that, yeah. I'm dating myself. Right. You can't date yourself. Who should you date? That's good. That's good advice, Marla. Thank you so much. We'll yeah, you're welcome. For you too. And we also, I want to uh, give the phone number uh, to our listeners so that they can call in and ask you questions. So those of you that are listening and watching live, the call-in number for listeners is one eight eight eight. 627-6008. That's 188-627-6008. Ask Marla Renee Stewart some questions. Absolutely. Yes. So sometimes people feel uncomfortable about sex because they don't know their body. And I know you yeah. do a lot of work in helping people understand their own body. Yes, absolutely. So um, I'm actually going to be coming out with a sexual strategist uh, certification. And it's basically a, 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 a culmination of a curriculum that I've developed just over time that combines sort of, you know, what you do, right, like sex therapy. Um, so the listening aspects, the connection aspects of therapy, um, bringing in somatic body work. So you're actually able to touch people, um, and then the comprehensive sex ed piece, which is the educational uh, piece. So, you know, around healthy relationships, body awareness, all of that stuff. And so, um, so that is how I am able to speak to all of those things. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited about it. I call it, yeah, sexual, sexual strategist. That's what I call it. <laughs> yeah, you're a sex expert. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. Yeah. And one of the great things that um, you have on your website, it's all these little videos or people can sign up to do these workshops on learning different things, even like kissing and, and a variety of things that I've seen over the years. Yeah, yeah. I'll have some more actually coming out. But yeah, I have some, you know, I have a, a general, if somebody wants to just learn about kink, you know, workshop, if somebody wants to learn about kissing, um, or if somebody wants to learn about, you know, G-spot or squirting, um, you know, if somebody wants to apply sex skills, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I'm, ex I'm excited about that. Um, they they can instantly you know download them they have it or they can view them for 30 days or whatever and so um so yeah i'm excited so you're saying that people can learn these things some people think they can't oh, yeah. learn these things yes everything can be learned i think it's even i'm sorry say it again learn to be a good kisser even if you haven't before you know absolutely not, not just kissing but of course other sexual things but kissing is foreplay Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, with kissing, it's one of those things where it's a compatibility, right? And so you either need to get someone on the same page as you, right? Um, or you need to adapt to their style. Um, so it can be learned if the person's willing to learn. However, if the person's not willing to learn, um, then probably you're just not going to be compatible um, in general, on a relationship 
as a total like romantic relationship. And the kissing science tells us a lot of things. It tells us, you know, uh, kissing science actually can tell us who we should partner with. Um, it can tell us like who we're compatible with biologically. And so that kind of thing is going to also be um, uh, instrumental when, if you're trying, if, if you're, when you're choosing your partner, it can be instrumental when you're choosing your partner. So you can tell um, just by kissing if a partner should be yours or not, or just this assessment? Yeah, yeah. If, yes. If, so say you're, you kiss somebody, right? Um, I had this ex-fiance and he was, I, I did, I, I kind of liked the way he kissed, right? But like not all the way. And so I would say like, hey, I like to be kissed this way, Right. And he would be like, well, I don't want to kiss you that way. So that then I should have known, well, then how am I going to get turned on? Your lips are your number one erogenous zone. If you can't turn me on with these, why would I want to move forward in this relationship, you know? And so I, I think it's really important to um, understand, like, the kissing science is real, um, and if we were honest with ourselves, because sometimes I think, and especially, you know, as cisgender women, we tend to be like, don't really trust ourselves all the time, or, you know, we get messages that we shouldn't necessarily trust our thoughts. So our, when we try to listen to our gut, you know, sometimes we just throw it out the door. But I think if we were more honest with ourselves, we listen to our gut and our intuition, we would have, I would have known. I wouldn't have not, I wouldn't have spent two years with that guy, you know, like I, I, <laughs> I, I should have just listened to myself. Um, and, 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 but I didn't, you know, and so, um, you know, and that's one of the things I regret. So when I speak to universities or colleges and I speak to, you know, these women's groups and I'm like, look, you know, do not, the, uh, you know, listen to your gut, listen to your gut, listen to what it says. It tells you a lot. Um, so yeah, that's, it's important. I like that. I completely agree. If, if you, if they can't kiss, it's like, bye. Yeah. There's a big, there's a big thing. I did hear somebody say that good communication, good sex, bad communication, bad sex. Ah, yes. Uh, you know, it's so funny because communication is such a broad thing, you know, and I think, you know, if I, communication goes along with context and experience. So when we communicate, we have to know how to communicate and what we are communicating and make sure that someone is actually understanding what we mean instead of using their own context and experience from their past to understand what you mean. So I think it's really important, but yes, communication Talking about things is huge for a lot of my couples. They're, they're constantly discovering things in front of me. You know, they're like, oh, I know you like that. Or, you know, or something along those lines because they haven't talked about it. And I think that can be really detrimental in some respects because like, for instance, I, you know, I have clients right now where, um, one just is realizing she's asexual, right? And so her husband's like, well, now what do I do? Like, I don't want to force her to have sex with me, but like, I have, se I'm a sexual person. Like how, 
How do we negotiate this thing? And so um, I, I think if she were to be honest with herself, she would have known like I'm, or she would have known like, Hey, maybe this isn't working for me or I don't really, you know, or whatever the case may be, but I mean, we're working with it, but it's, um, it's a challenge. It's a challenge because uh, if people would know that it's okay to be sexual or not sexual and accept themselves for who they are, they wouldn't be in situations where they would have to come see people like us, right? I mean, <laughs> if they, but, they're asexual in the relationship, they should just come right out with it and say, you know, I just want to let you know I'm I'm asexual, or it's it's really like number six on my list of ten, or maybe even my six on a list of six. Yeah, you know, be because some men are are asexual, and, and mm-hmm. don't think that they are, but. Uh, they are. And I've had some clients that have had asexual husbands and the wife wants sex more. And they're like, what? And it's just, that's not the perception or the stereotype. So we're just right. blowing those right out of the water. Right. Most people don't sometimes even talk about sex before they get married. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the issue. Yes. You know? They just yeah. do it. They just do it and fool around and all the Yeah. But they don't talk about their likes and dislikes and yeah. Yes. Yeah. When they come to me and I talk about like, yeah, well, how many times a week do you want to have sex? What, uh, what kind of sex do you want to have? Do you want to have like passionate romantic sex? Do you want to have raw carnal, you know, sex? Like what's the, what is it that you want to have? Well, you know, like all of these different questions are like, that they just have never even thought about. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's super important. And we have like a ton of questions in our book, like, go through each question and talk about it. And it's, it's, it's amazing what you learn just by asking one simple question about sexuality. Yes. Well, we're going to take a small break. And when we get back, we're going to learn more about your book and also take questions from the audience. If you are listening to this commercial, you have a pulse. If you have a pulse, you have stress. You may need a therapist. How do you find a therapist? Oh, you go to your phone book. Wait, what's that? Go to the World Wide Web. You type in therapist near me. And then you find a list of acronyms. LMHC, LPC, NCC. (sighs) How on earth do I understand this and navigate this? Go to drkellyboucher.com. Dr. Kelly specializes in helping people that struggle with anxiety, stress, burnout, grief, depression, compassion, fatigue, sleep issues, body image issues. You can have help today. DrKellyBoucher.com Welcome back to the Bringing Intimacy Show, where intimacy is real. And today we've been talking with Mahler Stewart about building self-confidence. You see how beautiful she is. And you wouldn't even believe that she's what, I um, guess it's nine months, what, six months? Seven months. (laughs) Seven months. months I'm trying to count backwards. (laughs) And how sexual and beautiful she is. Yes. Yeah. Um, So Dr. Kelly, do we have questions from the audience? I have two. Uh, One is actually Darla from Maine. 
Darla wants to know how you define sexuality. Marla. Oh, sexuality is so broad. Um, it's, it's, it's sort of a word. It's like a big umbrella blanket word that we use to describe like a bunch of different things. Um, but when I think about sexuality or, you know, somebody being sexual, I think it's the thinking about the sexual energy that pervades whatever it is that we're doing. So if we're talking about sexuality, um, yeah, sexuality is just, it's, it's, it's who we are. Um, it is our, um, it's our, our, our being, it's our behaviors. It's, it's everything. Um, there is, I would say there's no like right or wrong definition to sexuality. It's just, yeah, it's just a nice blanket term to encompass all the sexual things. Well, I have another uh, question. This person, uh, the name, they want their name name anonymous. So we'll call them Annie, uh, <laughs> Annie Moss. But uh, this person wants to know how they can tell their husband that they can't get turned on by him. Ah, so they're probably not tapping in to what I call seduction learning styles. And so what tends to happen is, um, you know, I, I had a client who'd been married for 40 years and she was like, my husband does not listen to me. My husband does not listen to me. How can I get my husband to listen to me? And I was like, well, you're probably coming at him the wrong way. This is what I need you to do. And so I told her how to, to what she needed to do in order for him to listen. And she did that thing. And she was like, holy shit, that was amazing. How did you know that? And I'm like, well, it's because he's probably like this. This is when you talk about him, this is the way that I see him. And so he probably can, he needs to connect with you in this way. And so um, I would say for the same thing um, for this husband and wife, like thinking about like, um, I assumed it was, you said Annie, so then I automatically assumed, so I don't know if it's uh, whomever, between two people, um, you need to learn their seduction learning style, right? So if um, your husband is, um, is, is he visual, is he auditory, is he kinesthetic or tactile, tapping into those, but The thing is, he also needs to tap into that for you too, right? So the reason why you're not being turned on is because he's not being, maybe he's um, talking to you and that's not the way that you are learning or communicate or get seduced. So that's part of it. Um, So seduction learning style, so him knowing who, what kind of person you are is going to help him understand how to communicate with you better. The second part is it, it could be some sort of, uh, uh, we say it doesn't turn you on. So that could be sexual skills. Sometimes I think things are skill-based and people need to learn better skills. And uh, a lot of, I hate to say this, but you know, a lot of cisgender men have a hard time thinking that they need help with their sexual skills. Right. And so, you know, sometimes they don't want to learn or don't want to take direction. um, And that can hinder 
their um, their sexual experiences and their ability to turn someone on. Um, or they've been lied to, right, their whole life because women are just like, oh, just say whatever I want to say and then to get you out of my face. Um, so they learn things that are not very helpful. And so, um, so one is it might be, so it might be skill-based. That might be the second thing. Um, if he might not be able to turn you on because maybe he doesn't have the skills or maybe you are not communicating with him in a way um, that he needs or using positive reinforcement, right? So for instance, if I wanted a better kiss, I could say, oh my, I love the way your, I love the way your lips are. Your lips are so beautiful and amazing. I love the way they feel. Um, I would love for you to kiss me this way, right? So using that positive reinforcement to encourage good behavior is going to help someone want to do things. And most of us want to please, you know, most of us want to please people. So uh, yeah, I think it's just important that those aspects are being done. So if they're not being done, then working on them hopefully will help you to get turned on. But there could be other factors too, like the sexual inhibitor scale talks about, you know, what are your breaks? Maybe your husband doesn't turn you on because you're too stressed out because the kids are running around, the, the house is dirty, you know, like whatever the case may be. Maybe your, your brakes are on because the stressors are too high. Um, and so you can't allow yourself to feel or to sexually feel or to get that arousal or desire because you're thinking about, you know, what to make for dinner or the next thing. You're fantastic. Yes. <laughs> that's off the cuff stuff. I had one that came in and... I've heard this by some of my clients uh, in the past 10 years, but uh, this person is Miranda and hopefully her husband isn't listening, but uh, she said, I'm so tired of faking. I'm so tired of faking orgasm. Please help. Um, ooh, that's a hard one because once you start faking it, then it's going to be hard to stop, but it can be done. And so um, I think first off, you need to extend your foreplay, right? Extend what, what the foreplay is. Is it the touching, right? Where do you want to be touched? Slow it down. Slow down the sexual interaction. Um, do things that, you know, that turn you on. Maybe like kissing or kissing slowly, kissing the body parts, um, rubbing, you know, and not just going into uh, penetrative sex. Sometimes people want to do no foreplay or quick foreplay and think that, oh, I have, you know, penetrative sex is going to help me to have an orgasm. No, right? We know, factually, research tells us that, you know, uh, men come in one to seven minutes while it takes on average for, if someone can have an orgasm vaginally, which is pretty hard to do, right? 75 to 80% of women do not, right? So number one, if you're not having orgasms during penetrative sex, that's normal. I hope, so I want people to know that's normal. And then um, thinking about uh, the extended time that you need in order to have a vaginal orgasm is going to be around 20 minutes on average. So one to seven minutes and then 20 minutes, right? So
So you have to think about that discrepancy. So what are the things that you can do to have an orgasm? Is it oral sex? Because clitoral stimulation is probably going to be your best bet into orgasm as cl the, the clitoris is our main sex organ that has is, is made for orgasm, right? And it's analogous to the penis. So um, thinking about... Um, uh, yeah, thinking about that, that kind of stimulation um, and understanding, yeah, your body and what it takes to orgasm and, and talking to your partner and being like, this is what it takes for me to orgasm. I need you to do things like this. Um, so, yeah, stop faking. Stop it. Talk to him. <laughs> Talk to him and say like, hey. You know, I would really love to start having sex in some different ways or like let's spice up our sex life. And maybe that in and of itself will help you to build up arousal um, and, and, and be more upfront about what you want as far as orgasm. Yeah. Yeah. So does, does your book um, touch on that? I'm assuming the foreplay and the seduction learning that oh. you're talking about? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, book so we can see and know where we can get it. Yes. The ultimate guide to seduction and foreplay. Um, so you can get it on my website, the velvet slash shop. Um, I think Amazon sold out on them now, but I think they're still available on like Kindle. Um, but they are, uh, they're still, they're, they're making, they're making more. I hope they're making more. Um, well, I hope so, too. Yeah, but yeah. If, if not, they're on my website. You can get an autographed copy on my website. So I have a ton of copies. Okay, um, awesome. we, yeah, but we talk about um, foreplay, seduction. We talk about, because a lot of times people think foreplay is oral sex um, or something like that. And we're like, that's sex. It has sex in the title, means it's sex. Mm -hmm. So what are the other things that you need to do besides oral sex? that is considered foreplay. Yeah. Where can people find out more information about all of your services? You can go on my website, velvetlipssexed.com um, or marlastewart.com, marlareneestewart.com. Um, either, either one of those, but velvetlipssexed.com or you can find me on social media at one Marla Stewart or at velvetlipssexed, sex without the E. I put your name in last night marla renee and it's st and bam there you were where i watched your wedding and that's how i know those <laughs> i mean there's a lot of ways to reach you marla and i'm so grateful for the time that we've had with you today yes it's yeah, been thank you pleasure. yeah thank you so much and let us see the book one more time just so we get it yes there yeah. you go and awesome. thank you so, so much for having me on the show. I appreciate it. And it was lovely to see you again. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. Bring me back when you want to bring some more sexy back. Of course, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so upcoming on our last February show, we have Sherry Gaba on love smack and love addiction and codependency. And don't forget to like us on YouTube and find us and subscribe to us. And this has been the Bringing Intimacy Back show. Thank you, Dr. Kelly, for co-hosting for this, for this week. And we will see you guys next week. All right. Thank you. Peace out. Mic drop.